I'm Kim Reynolds of Dogman.com with Scott Eklund. We are actually in the team meeting room where a lot of stuff goes on with the football team. It's up the tunnel inside of Husky Stadium. Just got done with meeting with Coach DeBoer talking about this recruiting class. And Scott, it's just, it's different than what we were doing like five years ago, um, you know, because you've got the transfer portal and uh, recruiting, and there again, it wasn't a big year for in-state guys, so just a little bit different feeling this year. Yeah, different feel. Um, you know, NIL is becoming a bigger part of things, too. It was something that you didn't, you know, necessarily have out there. I mean, honestly, the NIL has leveled the playing field for a lot of, a lot of programs, like Washington, who weren't paying kids, and um, now schools from the SEC are are seeing things leveled a little bit more uh, because other schools are now paying guys legally and everything like that. So, um, you know, and, and then, you know, Kalen DeBoer, and, and this is going to be a smaller, smaller class. They already kind of knew that. He addressed that at the beginning of the press conference. And he also talked about um, just that, you know, you mentioned the state of Washington, <clears throat> and he said with it being a smaller class, with us needing to replace, you know, and fill some holes with um, transfer portal guys, we wanted to have room for that. So maybe there are some guys in state that we might have taken um, as guys in the class, but because we lacked the room and, and maybe there wasn't as much interest from them and they had their sights set other places, we just didn't go after them. Yeah, also just it's kind of interesting with the NIL situation. Um, there's a lot of schools out there throwing money around to high school mm -hmm. recruits, but it uh, sounds like Washington's not playing the... Um, they're not playing the big money game. No, they're still giving getting guys NIL deals. But not... The, not $2 million for no, high school recruits. No, no. I mean, what do you, Dante Walker going to Oregon. I'm sure he got a big NIL yeah. deal, but Washington is not going to play that game with yep. high school guys. Uh, they'll play with, um, with experienced guys who've proven themselves. As recruits, but they'll also take care of the guys on the roster that they want to keep. Correct. And that's, that's more important to them is keeping the guys on the roster that they, that they want to keep around rather than giving money to some guy who hasn't even been in your system yet and maybe paying more for somebody who's a starter. Yeah, because, you know, for example, last year I heard that, you know, some schools were really making a run at Eddie Ulfoscio, and they had to come back and up the ante with guys like Eddie, and that's what's going on out well, there. One of the reasons why uh, Michael Penix stuck around, I have a good feeling one of the reasons he decided to stick around, besides the fact that he had the, he could he could kind of foresee that this season was going to go the way it was going to go, but the wide receivers all could have gone pro. Braylon Trice could have gone pro. Troy Fautanu. Uh, Thule, those are all guys who could have gone pro last year, and they decided not to. And I think a big reason why was because NIL was there, but also they saw the potential. Yeah, with um, with the NIL and everything else that was going on, it's still to me a little bit odd. Not one in-state kid. Yeah, um, not taking one. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, was I mean, <clears throat> they they wanted Braden Platt. He just didn't want them. And I think, <clears throat> I think that's a, uh, you, you, it's not just you wanting the kid. The kid has to want to stay home, too. And so uh, Braden Platt was a guy they really wanted. Um, Hunter Hansen, or Hogan Hansen, the, the uh, tight, tight end, end from Bellevue. Those were two guys that Washington wanted in, in, at the beginning of the process. And I think they would have taken them later in the process. But 
neither neither one of them were really looking at Washington. And then after those two guys, the talent drop off Dropped was off. off a cliff. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I wouldn't say off a cliff, but it definitely was a step down, a step or two down. Yeah, it, it, the the probably the least talented class that we've seen in state in a while, in a long time, yeah, in a while. Yeah. And the twenty twenty five class, you'll see that one's going to take a tick up. Okay. So yeah, uh, just you know, on the defensive side of the ball, it seems like the strength of this cl- uh, high school recruiting class is on the defensive line. Oh yeah, the front seven definitely. You know, you've got if you talk about Kamori House, he's a linebacker. Uh, he's the only linebacker they brought in. But then they've got uh, two guys that signed with them today in as edge guys, Keona Wilhite and Noah Carter. Both, both of those guys are big-time uh, edge guys. And then you've got uh, Radumana Bulabalavo, who a lot of people don't know how good he can be because he played – I mean, he played at the equivalent of, like, a um, Bush school or Seattle Academy. He played at small a small school – and dominated there because he was 6'4", 265, 270 pounds. And he dominated there like he should. But you don't know how good he's going to be. So there were a lot of schools that were after him. But Washington made a play for him, a strong play for him early and decided to bring him in. He's going to play defensive tackle for them. And then Omar Khan, the guy out of uh, Texas, that's a, you know, he's 6'2", 6'3", 280, 290 pounds. And he's a guy who played at the highest level in Texas. I think he played at the, the 5A or 6A level. And, um, and he's out of the Houston area. And he's a guy that, that some people think could come in and play right away. So those are the four who signed. And then you've got Dominic Kirks still sitting out there that we're not sure what he's going to do at this point. Um, or at least as of this podcast, it could by the time we publish it and stuff, we could already know. But, um, you know, right now it doesn't sound like he's uh, going to sign here for at least a couple days. So Washington really focused on getting longer on the defensive line. I think that's one of the thing that's one of the features is they got longer. They got guys who are six three, six four, six five. One's close to six six and Keona Wilhite. So a lot of, of talented long guys to put along that defensive front. Maybe explain to little people a little bit about what's going on with Dominic Kirks. Well, Kirk's okay. So Kirk's is out of the state of Ohio. He committed to Washington um, in the summer, I think. Yeah, yeah. late late summer, and uh, after he took his official visit, and had been pretty com- strongly committed to Washington for a long time. Got offers from some <coughs> Big Ten schools. Got an offer from USC, who I know is a Big Ten school now, but um, got an offer from USC. And there was always Ohio State kind of sitting out there. Well, um, he was supposed to take a visit to USC a couple weeks ago. And that didn't end up happening. And so then we thought that everything was kind of secure for Washington to wind up um, getting him um, to, to, you know, sign with them. Well, then uh, over the last 48 hours, I believe, they had um, Ohio State come in with an offer uh, and trying to get him to, to flip his commitment and that's why he hasn't signed at this point. And I think he's still thinking things over. Yeah. And, again, Washington, a couple of recruits that they went outside the area with mm-hmm. uh, Kirks uh, and then went into Texas for a couple of guys. Three guys, yeah. Con and then the two safeties, Paul Mankey and Joshua Lair. Yeah. Uh, and Lair is a guy I know that they really like, and mm-hmm. Mankey is a guy they really oh, like as if well. You watch, if you watch Lair's film, that guy just hits. Do you remember what it was like when you saw C.J. Wilcox – or, yeah. or it was C.J. Wilcox, right? Or um, who, who? Um, Wallace. 
Yeah, well, C.J. Wallace. That's right. That's Wallace. who I'm talking about. Sorry, C.J. Wallace. Uh, when he was out of when he was coming out of Grant High School in in Sacramento, he was just destroying people. Right. That's what Josh Lair's film looks like. He just absolutely destroys people when they come across the middle. When he's up and supporting the run, all that he's going to be a real physical safety for Washington. And then you watch Paul Mankey and, and Coach DeBoard addressed it today, just how he runs for a guy his size and length. He's and he's still got he's got a good frame, but he's got a lot of filling out to do. So imagine a guy six two, six three, one hundred and eighty pounds. What he's going to look like in a year and a half, two years, when he's maybe two hundred pounds, two hundred ten pounds by the time he graduates from Washington. And he's just going to be an absolute destroyer as well, not just against the run, but also in the pass because he's so rangy. He can play middle of the field to one side or the other and, and cover that ground. Yeah, and Menke was uh, the guy that we were waiting on, one yeah. of the guys that we were waiting on, and uh, he announced Washington today. Yeah, he did. He announced, uh, what, about an hour and a half before the <clears throat> the press conference, and, and we, were, we had it ready to go. We had a pretty good feeling he was going to, and I've actually already talked to him, so I, I should have a story up here in a little bit maybe tomorrow morning, um, because I don't want it to get lost and everything. But um, really nice kid, has ties to the area. His dad played at Washington State. His aunt um, was a uh, assistant in the football offices uh, under Don James and Jim Lambright. So um, he has a lot of connections to the area and a lot of connections to this program, but also the Washington State program. So uh, and he actually said to me today when I talked to him right afterwards, he said, I actually thought I was going to be the one that was going to break the string for my family going to Washington or Washington State. And he said and it didn't end up being that way because he said, I just loved it there. And he was committed to Duke for a while. Duke, yeah. And um, he's actually a West Coast kid. But during the pandemic, they moved to Texas so he could play football. And so um, he had all these ties back up here, committed to Duke in the summer, never took his official visit to Washington. Then um, his coach leaves, Mike Elko leaves. He takes a visit to Washington Apple Cup weekend unofficially and then takes an official visit this past weekend. And he said he, he knew on Monday night um, that that was going to be the right decision for him. Kind of this guy that I've kind of got uh, pegged as a sleeper in this class is the safety, Peyton Waters out of uh, Yeah, we, they've got him listed as a safety, but um, he's going to play more of the Husky position for them. Uh, he's 6'2", 170 pounds. He's probably going to get up to about 190, 195, somewhere in that range by the time he graduates. But uh, great ball skills. Could have played, honestly, could have been a really good wide receiver for Washington, too. He's got, he's got those talents. I think he caught um, like 60 passes for like 1,200 yards and like 14 touchdowns. Helped lead his team all the way to the state championship game in the classification he plays in. So, um yeah, he, he's got great ball skills, great instincts, really good cover guy, and he's got that length that the coaches are looking for. Yeah, over on the offensive side of the ball. Um, oh, we forgot Elias Johnson. Okay, I'm the, sorry. Yeah, the yeah. cornerback out of Jesuit. Um, he's another one, uh, The you know another long guy, 6'2", 6'3". Um, talk to the, the defensive uh, coordinator for them is um, an old uh, Husky. Um, he's the one that's on Pac-12, and I'm drawing a blank. Nigel. Nigel. Nigel Burton. Yeah. He was, and so I talked to Nigel about him, and he goes, he goes, he says he has no idea what he's doing, but he has all the talent in the world. So he needs good coaching. So the, you know, he said if he gets up here, 
and he's patient if he waits two years because he's going to have to work really hard on his technique, on turning and running and doing all that stuff. He's a really talented kid with long arms. He's, he's, a, he's a true corner, whereas Peyton Waters could play corner, but he's probably going to be a Husky. Yeah, again, over on the offensive side of the ball, they got some big dudes on the offensive line. Yeah, they only took two, but they're two really good ones. The first one is Pocky Finau. I think, is he the top-rated guy in the class? I can't remember. I, on 247, I think he's the top. It, it might be Noah Carter might be the top-rated, but he's right behind him. Um, as uh, He's a four-star guy out of Oak Hills down in Hesperia, uh, California. Um 6'4", 265, 270, so he still needs to put on some size. But the coaches just absolutely love him. Basically a Troy Fautanu clone. Yeah, that's who and Kalen, that's who compared, compared K- him to. Kalen yeah. DeBork compared him yeah, to and, and ready to take the, over that spot. Yeah, and well, and also said that Troy Fautanu's path is what really led Pocky Finnau to really kind of see what the path that he could take where he's not maybe necessarily, because at 6'4", Usually you want your, your tackles to be 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, he's 6'4", but he's got long arms, So he, and that's the same with Troy Fautanu, who's about 6'4". He can play and, and tackle because of his long arms. So that, that's, that's Pocky Finau. And then you've got David Boyajian. And Say that name again. David Boyajian. Okay. And um, he is a guy, I remember seeing him come up and he was standing on the sidelines, and I was like, that must be somebody's older brother. Like, because he looks like he's in his mid-20s. He's just a big physical guy. He's about 6'6", 6'5", 295 pounds. Um, played on one of the best teams in the state of California this year. Took his team all the way to the state finals in uh, the second highest classification in California. Um, just um, a big physical offensive lineman who could play right tackle. He could play guard. Um, Pocky Finial can play anywhere. This guy is more of a right tackle, right guard, um, and he can just grind on people. So those are the two offensive linemen in the class. They took two wide receivers, and they're not the same. No, completely different wide receivers. Justice Williams is about 6'4", 195 pounds. Uh, Jason Robinson is about 5'10", 5'10 somewhere in there, uh, 160, 170 pounds. The thing about Jason Robinson, though, is you, you hear that size, and you're just like, oh, man, he's tiny. He plays so much bigger than that. Go watch his film. He plays a lot bigger than that. He actually reminds me. I didn't compare him because he's going to have to fill out. But Steve Smith, remember, he wasn't the biggest guy in the world, Kim. No. But he was strong. He was solid, and he knew how to run with the, you know, run routes and run with the ball in his hands. And that's exactly what Jason Robinson is. He's that kind of a wide receiver. And then Justice Williams Six four one ninety five. He's a guy who can go down the field. He's a long strider, so he's not going to be that sudden guy that's going to like lightning in a bottle. Who's going to be super explosive right away? But once he gets up to full speed, he can run right by you. He's got that kind of speed. Yeah. Um, Quarterback. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if, <laughs> or tight end. Do we want to do tight yeah, end? Yeah. If you first? can't tell, I got a little bit of a cold. But yeah, uh, yeah tight end. Decker to graft. Um, ideally, you want to see somebody a little bit taller. But uh, yeah. he's listed at six three two thirty. He's to me, he sounds yeah. like Jack Westover. Yeah, he is a lot like Jack Westover. Maybe a couple inches shorter than Jack Westover, but he's he's the same kind of player. The one thing that I noticed when I saw him in seven on seven and, and off season work and everything was he doesn't get a ton of separation from guys. But it sounds like his athleticism has kind of improved over his senior season. He had almost a thousand yards receiving. 
Um, he was really good on both sides of the ball for Glendora, took them to the state uh, playoffs as well. He's um, really a savvy guy when it comes to catching the ball and running routes, and he's, he's not a guy who's going to be split out all the time because there's some guys like Quentin Moore. I talked to Quentin Moore about it um, when we interviewed him. Quentin Moore, before he got to college, had never put his hand in the ground. He was always split out like a big wide receiver, and that's what a lot of these tight ends are doing nowadays. Decker DeGraff is not that guy. He is split out every now and then, but he is also on the end of the line as an inline blocker. And so um, he knows how to block, and he does know how to do those things. So I think one of the things they want to do with him is they're probably going to want to send him in motion, get him some mismatches against smaller defensive backs and things like that, and let him go to work. Because he's really good at shielding the defender from the ball with his body. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Quarterback, Demarius Davis, another tall, rangy quarterback. He's 6'5", 190 pounds. Yeah, so he goes by Marmar, and, but it, if people want to know how to – his name does not look like it's pronounced. It's Demarcius or Demarcius, okay. sorry. But they call him Demar, or they call him Marmar. And, uh, you know, long, uh, long guy. Um, has a little bit long of a delivery. It's not a, it's not a super quick uh, delivery, but it's not bad. Um, he can he can hurt you with his legs if you don't pay attention to him. But he's a guy who likes to sit back, distribute the ball, like be the point guard, get the ball into the hands of the wide receivers and running backs, tight ends, and let them do their thing. So a uh, good leader, um, Coach DeBoer mentioned today, a little on the quieter side, not the not the big booming voice that you you would picture a lot of the quarterbacks having. But he says I can see it in his personality that he, as he gets more confident. As he gets more experience, not only in our system, but just getting more reps and everything like that, I have no no uh, thoughts that he's not going to be able to do that. Yeah, that um, the quarterback room has definitely got some height to it. Definitely does. I mean, he's what, 6'3"? Six, 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 he's 6'5". Six, okay. They have him listed at 6'5". I didn't think he was that tall, but he is pretty tall. So 6'5". <laughs> They've got Austin Austin Mack, who's 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, uh, what's real Will Rogers about six three six four six two six two so he's on the shorter side. Uh, Dylan Morris was about six two, so um, yeah. I mean, you know, and Will Haskell, the the guy who came up from uh, San Diego State, he's in the six three six four range too, I believe. So you know, Washington has a lot of length. They've got a lot of arms in that in that uh, in that quarterback room, and and. Uh, it's going to be real interesting to see how things kind of play out because one thing that that uh, DeBoer talked about was the four signed um, transfers. The only one that hasn't signed is B.J. Green, the edge out of Arizona State. But Will Rogers, he talked about, he said he's accurate, he's productive, he's a leader, he's been in these rooms, he's been in these situations, he's thrown for – didn't he say he had 1,000 completions and that was more than any SEC yeah. quarterback ever was? Granted, they only run the ball down there. They don't. They don't play great offense in the SEC typically. Yeah, and again, you know, with Will Rogers, they announced the three transfers. Will Rogers, and then he talked extensively about Ethan Barr, the linebacker transfer from um, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah a big guy, uh, two-year captain there. 
Um, and uh, very productive, 219 tackles in four seasons as a uh, I think it's only two and a half, maybe three years as a starter. The other one he was kind of a backup. So um, he and his fiance are, I guess it's fiance, are moving out here together. And uh, he'll be here for spring ball. I talked to him. You guys can look that up. I posted that story uh, last week. And, and um, yeah, he's, he's a really, really uh, heady smart guy that they're going to be able to plug into that system. Now, the thing is, he might end up being like Raylan Goforth, where they brought in Raylan Goforth, and a lot of people assumed he was going to be the starter, right? Well, he didn't start. He played a lot, though. So he, uh, Barr is going to be in the mix with um, uh, Carson Bruner, with uh, Alfonso Tupatala, with Drew Fowler, who I got to believe he's going to get a scholarship at some point here. Yeah. Um, not that they need it, but, you know, i got to believe that. And then I think the two uh, freshmen, the two um, guys who are redshirting, Devin Bryant and Jordan Whitney, those guys are going to be in the mix too. So, you know, throw Barr in there. You've got, you've got six guys that you're going to be looking at to, to play linebacker. So I think that's going to be really great because that will allow Kamori House – uh, the linebacker they brought in in the class to, to redshirt. Yeah, also uh, brought in a tackle, uh, offensive lineman, and drew uh, as a part. Uh, yeah, that, that is a huge get. I don't think people even know how big of a get. You know, offensive linemen are not going to get the accolades that the quarterbacks or linebackers or even the edge guys like B.J. Green get. But, man, he – as a party, he could be a three-year starter at Washington. Now, I doubt he stays here that long. He's a redshirt freshman. He has three, three to play three once he once he gets here. But he's a guy who could start for three straight years. Big dude. Yeah, I think what I think happens, and I've talked to many people. If Roger Rosengarten ends up sticking around, which I've heard that it's leaning that way for him, but it hasn't finished up yet. Um, I think Rosengarten moves to left tackle. And that allows him to show, hey, NFL, I can play on either side. Right. right? And then as a party comes in and plays, he was a, what was he, a part-time starter yep. uh, down, at, down at San Diego State, behind Miles Morale, I'm yep. pretty sure, and a former Husky. So um, he's, a, he's a, I think he started half the season down at San Diego State at right tackle. Let him come in and just focus on, stay on the same side, focus on learning the terminology and, the, and everything in the offense, and then, uh, and then maybe – after this season, this coming season, he can go, uh, he can play on the other side if needed and, and be that rock left tackle for you one more year. Yeah, depending on attrition and uh, guys going to the NFL, Coach uh, DeBoer said as many as possibly up to five. I don't think it's going to be that many, yeah. but who's left? Well, so Kirks, we've already kind of addressed his situation. There's Aaron Butler, the wide receiver. Uh, out of Calabasas, who's down to Washington, Arizona. And Texas is in it a little bit, but I think it's Washington and Arizona. And uh, that guy's an electric player. Um, Huskies definitely want him. Um, they would take him. Um, so that's that's kind of the two high schoolers. And then I think they're in really good shape with him, by the way. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. I think they're in pretty good shape with him. So And then, um, and then as far as... Um, portal guys right i could see uh well they, they definitely want to get a tight end yeah they definitely would like to get another safety yeah and probably another corner i think a lot depends on what jabbar muhammad ends up doing yeah and that's what i pretty much had them dialed in as a safety a yeah. tight end and a corner yeah and then uh with butler and kirks yeah and you know there's going to be a couple more guys from washington so dylan morris is in the portal vince nunley 
put his name in the portal. Those are the only two off the top of my head. Those are the only as two. As far as I know, yeah. Yeah, so there's going to be at least three or four more that are going to add their name. Could be up to like six or seven guys. Probably not that many, but, you know, we're, we're going to be all right. The problem is Washington's players are in a real weird situation because the portal open, the portal closes on the, on the 2nd of January. Washington could still have a game seven days later on the 8th or 9th. Of the, or on the eighth, whatever it is, and so it's a real weird situation for them where it's like, yeah, I have to enter the portal, but my team is also on the verge of winning a national title. But the portal <laughs> so, opens again, right? It does. It doesn't open until after spring ball, so May first right. through the fifteenth, and by then there might not be as many spots open. Right. So it's just it, it's a it's a weird situation that they need to they probably need to come up with a different solution for the problem is a lot of these i mean most schools i'd say 75 80 percent of the schools are on the semester Semester, system and so if you don't get in in early january to to go to a new school you don't get in until may whereas schools like washington oregon ucla all are on the quarter system they can still get you in for spring quarter, and that's an advantage that the quarter system is. And that's on. the issue is why Jake Hayner wasn't yeah. here and Michael Penix was instead. Yep, exactly. Because he was coming. Yep. Well, he wanted to, yeah. but they couldn't figure out the grade situation. Yeah. So, the, well, or not grade, the, but the, the school credit, situation. Yeah. Credit situation. Yeah. Um, the portal guys from Washington that were expecting three, four five yeah. or six, but I'm not expecting to see any guys entering the portal who've seen significant playing time. No, it'll be, it'll be guys who are either buried or guys who um, are just looking for a new opportunity. They only have maybe like Dylan Morris one year left yeah. and they want to play. They, as much as they might love the school, they, they, they want the opportunity to play and they just don't see that ability. And it's just not fair for us to put names out. Nope. There. We're not going to do that. We've never done that. Yeah. It's so. just not fair, but let's just say stories are written. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these, these people keep on asking you who you think are going to get. They ask them the wrong questions. They need to ask Scott, what stories are you sitting on yeah, that you already I know. written? I so. know. I mean, the Mankey story was written. I mean, he, he basically texted me after his visit and he said, he said, I, there's a good chance I'm going to flip, but I'm not sure. I need to talk it over with my family. And um, he, he want, he actually said he was close to committing on his visit, but he says, I had a lot to think about because I loved Duke, yeah. even though my coach wasn't there anymore. I loved Duke. So all right. anything else we need to cover before we wrap this up? Scott? No, no, I think, I think we're all good. Um, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> we're going to put this up, post this Thursday afternoon. Um, I'm sorry, Wednesday afternoon, uh, Thursday morning. I'm hoping to have, um, a top 10 targets kind of thing maybe even you know kind of like do the mel mel kuiper big board with the top 10 targets and then maybe the top three or four at each position at this early stage you guys got to remember though things change so much in recruiting that what i tell you tomorrow in my story might not be true three months from now 
where they aren't even looking at any of the guys anymore. So it just it changes so quickly. All right, we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Yeah. Um, basketball Thursday night against Eastern Washington, and uh, I'm actually I got a red eye out Christmas night, 11:30 Christmas night, heading down to New Orleans. We'll be there when the uh, I'll be there when the Huskies arrive, and um, we've actually got an intern working down there. We got the intern from Texas going to be helping us out. Oh, to, nice. And I've already warned him. Uh, you know, just one of my responsibilities. Hold on. The University of Texas. Yes. Yeah. Why isn't he working for them? Because they were only allowed to get three credentials, and oh, they okay. had those for their beat guys. Okay. So gotcha. we had an open spot, so he's going yeah. yeah. to come work for us. I told him, I said, one of the things I take pride in is tormenting and tormenting the interns, and he <laughs> said he looked forward to it. So, is know. he a student? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 19. So Wow. Yep. I don't want any biased coverage on his part. Nah, we'll just have to stick a mic in. So, <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, hey, for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters, who is at mm-hmm. home, yeah. and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. <laughs>